I'm now delighted to be joined by the man behind Darts Atlas and one of America's most passionate figures in the darting community, Mr. Matt Langan. How are you, Matt? Oh, wow. I uh, Most passionate. How flattering. Thank you, Andrew. I'm great. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Very excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, wanted to talk to you for a while. You're a man with uh, fingers in many pies in the darts world, but uh, it was a pretty big weekend for you this last weekend. The return of some in-person darts and your home team, Austin, had their first game in MLS. Oh, I mean, I've just been buzzing with emotion uh, for for all of this, honestly. I mean, it's been a long 13 months at this point and counting, uh, really, for me and, and for everyone else in the world uh, with, with this pandemic. And uh, we're, you know, very fortunate here, I think, to uh, be ramping up the, the vaccination stuff for, uh, you know, just for the, the nation at large. And, and, you know, here where I am in Texas, um, which is allowing us to start to resume some semblance of, of normality or at least some in-person play as you might have seen on the live stream you know still playing with masks when we're indoors but uh, even just you know just being able to see folks and, and kind of play in that uh, in-person environment is just um, it's really what I crave in the darts uh, and then of course the, the Austin FC stuff has just been um, oh, I, I, I can't say enough about it you know I've, I've I'm not like a soccer and you know I'm kind of calling myself out here by using soccer but i'll keep on using that word and i'm i'm sorry for all of y'all who uh might cringe at that one but uh yeah you know i i, I got hooked onto the sport in like 20 2006 oh my gosh it's been that long i was trying to go in like the the tens but nope 2006 um i think it was germany um where just with my work schedule that summer i was able to watch like every single match and got totally hooked and since then have basically taken a sabbatical every like four years to be able to tune into the World Cup, but have never gotten into MLS, have never gotten into the European system, the Premier League, like none of that. And so um, now finally with the announcement of Austin FC and, and you know that team coming uh, to town, our first professional sports team in Austin ever, um, you know, at least for the major sports, you know, no offense to, to the rugby folks who, you know, I love y'all and it's a, you know, great game. Um, it's just something I've never been able to get into, but, uh, yeah, just having, having this, this MLS team here is outrageously exciting and, you know, being able to get back to the bars, including my local bar, the Cavalier, where we throw our darts from, uh, knowing that they're going to be getting a ton of revenue for the, um, you know, for the match days and stuff. They're one of the official pubs, uh, from Austin FC, uh, you know, for the supporters groups and everything. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it feels like, <sighs> even more and more we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and it was just it was emotional as hell um and i'm just i'm fired up for all of it for sure well awesome to hear it i mean austin didn't get the win at the weekend but i'm certainly i've been certainly should i say getting into mls a lot more recently um, partly through my work and stuff but I'm now, you know, a dyed-in-the-wall Nashville supporter, so it's good to, to see some of the MLS over the weekend. Yeah, and, you know, like, I don't know anything about the game, about the local league, um, you know, about MLS. Like, I could barely name a player on the team for shame, but um, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the action on the pitch. Uh, hey, see, I called it a pitch, not a field. Aren't you proud of me? And... Uh, you know, it, it, it's just the environment. Like, Austin is such a soccer town. Like, we turn up. Um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago for the Women's World Cup for the, uh, it was the semifinal against Japan, I think it was. Um, my wife and I biked to a um, kind of reputable soccer bar a little bit south of the river from us called the Black Sheep Lodge. And we knew it was, you know, it was going to be a scene. But even like two hours early, we got the last table outside um, and within 30 minutes, just everything was standing room only completely packed. Um, and, and it's just, it, it's just, you know, there's like places we have to avoid basically because 
it's just so packed. Like I could name probably a half dozen bars just off the top of my head that I won't go to because it's like too frenetic. It's too intense. Um, and so, you know, that's certainly what you love to see as an expansion team uh, coming into town. And um, this, is all, this is almost such a perfect analogy for the darts uh, around the the hype and the growth and the excitement and just like, like this undercurrent of, of um passion i guess it exists for this thing that you know folks on the outside just would not see but when you see it it is just it is uh, there's just no end to it it's 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 boundless excitement and passion for it you mention it as an analogy for the darts there and obviously this is a darts podcast so it would be good if we talk shop as it were how did you initially get into the sport of darts because it's not exactly the first sport you would associate with American sports fans. Yeah, painfully, with with much uh, frustration, did I finally get into the darts the way that I am now. So, um, you know, the full history is, uh, you can kind of time block this off pretty quickly. College, uh, good friend in the apartment complex, like a couple apartments down, had a dartboard in his kitchen um, and we would go there and throw what we thought was cricket, which was just 20 to 15 in the bowl, three in each, get there first. Um, points, dope, knew nothing about that. Aki, uh, nah, we just generally guesstimate this line here. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but like never knew to look up a distance or any rules or anything for that. Um, so that was in like, t- like 2006, 2007 or so. Um, Fast forward to 2014, moved to Austin, Texas here. Um, uh, Start drinking some beers at a craft beer bar um, where both my wife and I sort of fully cut our teeth on the craft beer game, which is a whole additional part of the uh, some of the Austin culture here. Uh, But there's this bar that had a couple dartboards use bar darts Uh, we would do that a good bit Um, also found a place right by our apartment that we would walk to um, on red river street if you're familiar with uh, with austin a bar called valhalla Um, so we play some bar darts Uh, quickly that turned into well maybe we should get our own darts Uh, quickly that turned into maybe we should get a board at the house quickly that turned into hey is there like a real dart scene here and this is kind of where like the darts atlas story starts um so, you know, my background is actually in uh, sports background is in tennis. So I taught tennis professionally for about six years, uh, trained professionally my, you know, my whole uh, childhood and, and up through high school, um, you know, was a very, very serious tennis competitor player, did the travel leagues and, you know, would, would go travel uh, in, you know, an hour each way to go to like the best academies and everything like that. So, um you know, I mentioned that for the kind of understanding of sport and sport professionalism. Um, and so, you know, I tried to find leagues. Of course, what do you do? You go to Google, try to find dart leagues in Austin, dart leagues in Texas, whatever. As I ended up learning, very hard to do. Um, so kind of nothing came of that for like a year or so. Uh, then my wife and I moved to our current house in East Austin, and just happened to stumble upon a bar here on the east side called the Grackle that this this I had to have been a Wednesday night. We showed up and like there's a ton of people at the bar at the boards and we just like couldn't believe ourselves like what in the world is going on like every time we've ever been playing there's been nobody else there and even if there has been it's been just some you know idiots throwing not knowing what they're doing just like us. Um, so through this we learn like oh yeah no there's actually like a pretty big darts community around austin but you have to be on facebook to find it you have to be in these particular facebook groups to find it or you have to be on this like group me group text message thing to to find out how to play so you know stuff that even me as like a internet you know internet entrepreneur i worked in silicon valley and new york and now in austin um even i didn't know like how to kind of surface these things with all my google foo uh knowledge so uh so right off the bat that was kind of like a big big red flag for me like oh what the heck is going on with with this with this game with this sport um so eventually found a you know a couple of blind draws a couple of regular um 
you know, events, reached out to a league, didn't get an email back. So it was like, okay, well, I guess they're defunct. Um, and, uh, you know, so just started playing uh, these casual social games at, at the Grackle with this kind of local community that had formed, um, you know, mostly kind of around this this kind of one ringleader uh, named Mike Gilligan, who you know, had lived in Australia for like four or five years and um, had kind of seen the scene out there. Uh, so as, I mean, I hope I'm not misrecalling this, but I'm pretty sure he played with like Simon Whitlock's dad or something at one of their social clubs, whatever they call these things, where like my impression is just like this big cavernous space and there's a bunch of stuff going on, it's family friendly. And they also happen to have like 16 dartboards at these places or something. Um, and so that was when I learned that like darts was actually a thing. There's a thing called the PDC. There's a dude named Van Gerwin or Van Herwin. Um, there, yeah, I'm trying to show respect to my to my Dutch buddies. Um, you know, th- there is this game called 501, or cricket to score with points. These like things I had never known about ever, uh, despite all of this like attempt to like find organized art stuff. Um, so through that, I finally was able to get involved uh, in some local leagues, some team stuff. You know, learn about the game of 501 and kind of get addicted to that. Uh, you know, subscribe to the PDC TV stuff. Started, you know, consuming all of those things that I could. The the you know the World Cups on YouTube became some of my favorites. I just absolutely love that format. The the passion, the excitement around that event, um, and uh, and even started playing in uh, in an online league with some friends from college um, who had been doing this thing for kind of a while, unbeknownst to me. Uh, had started this this online league and even did like live streaming on Twitch. So they were putting their their you know matches up there on Twitch, doing like full scale commentary, just like kind of generations beyond anything that I think anyone else was was really doing at the time. So, you know, I took all these things and just kind of absorbed and and kind of realized like, oh my goodness, there's this like whole this whole product around here, right? Like what Barry Hearn calls the product. The, the TV product, the excitement, the fanfare, the format, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just uh, I just concluded from that, like there is a lot of value being left on the table here um, with, with this game not being effectively promoted and run and like growing as like a legitimate professional sport. You know, we still suffer from that stigma of uh, you know, drunk people in bars, um, and uh, yeah, it's, that's I think it's still a deserved stigma. Um, but I I caught the bug. I got this passion that that you know between that and then again you know why I mentioned this, the tennis background, right? I've seen what professional sport looks like. I know what development systems, what youth systems, what the community really can mean for for a kind of from cradle to grave sort of lifetime sport activity. Um, Plus, you know, combining that with my experience in technology companies, particularly focused on uh, social media and networks and communities of people. I said, Hey, I think there's a, there's a problem here uh, around discovering uh, places to play around just the facilitation of playing organized darts. And then certainly the administration side, um, and, and I said, I, I think I can do something better. I think I can kind of solve some of these problems that, that I see um, being the Achilles heel in in this sport. And I think that a lot of that has been uh, extra validated through listening to a lot of these podcasts, like inside the WDF specifically, where so often with these, with any either players or organizers, but I think particularly players who aren't, necessarily at the peak of the system right now but i hear a lot of these folks come on uh, to this show and and express genuine anxiety about the future of their local league that might be outrageously successful like more successful than anything i could ever imagine in the united states here like 200 300 people playing within like a relatively small region in the uk and they come onto your show and, and they say like you know there's this one person who's been running it and we, you know, don't really know what's going to happen. Like they're kind of getting pretty old and, you know, we know there's so much work involved here 
and we don't know if anyone else is going to be willing to pick up the torch to persist this league after this person says, I don't have the time anymore. And what they mean is like, it takes hours and hours a week to run this league, right? I mean, that's that's the message that, that's kind of coming through here. Um, and that's where as like a technology guy, I just, I have to <laughs> step in and say like, this is this is insane. Like there's no reason that it should take this, this much time a week to just like add up scores for some 501 games or assign some points. And so, um, you know, that, that that's where this, this kind of fan passion turned into a business passion um, and led to the creation of Darts Atlas and, and which is basically like a, you know, espousement of my vision of, of where I think the darts needs to go, which is uh, more simple on the playing side, um, frictionless on the administration side and, um, you know, machine readable on, on the discovery side. You know, I've talked about like finding the darts and, you know, what I think folks don't know is like when you're putting together a poster on your tournament and you're posting that as an image on a Facebook group, like that Facebook group is barely Googleable. But even if it was, right, even if Google was aware of that Facebook group, um, it's not aware of that image. Like, so there's no, there's no way of like just like finding if someone's in the community looking for where can I play uh, darts in 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 Austin or darts in uh, Chicago or darts in Topeka, Kansas. Um, that's a very, very hard question to answer. Um, and that's almost like the embodiment of, of what I think part of the big problem is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was super detailed. Thank you. Um, so just a quick question. Had you had any exposure to televised darts, whether that was on the amateur or professional side initially, or was your first experiences just the odd playing in college or playing in bars and so on? No, I mean, it was like... Uh, like. T- 2017 uh i'm trying to think when i moved in my house yeah so it'd be like late 2016 where i ever heard of the notion of professional darts and then it would have been like 2017 when i would have like started watching and like bought a pdc to tv subscription and everything like that so um yeah i mean we're talking super duper recent um you know this is this was before BBC America was putting on the Premier League, but also well after the Desert Classic stopped being like a, a big tour stop and stuff. So I was kind of in this like, you know, dead period, um, you know, after the Desert Classic, before the U.S. Darts Masters back in Vegas um, was was when I found it. I mean, you're a very passionate person about yeah. the sport. So what was it that made you think, yeah, this is something I really want to follow, enjoy, but also divest so much of your time to improving the experience for so many other people. Yeah, so it's totally what Barry calls the product. Um, it is, I'm trying to think of the analogies and the similes I draw here when I describe it to people. So it's like the live ball excitement of tennis or soccer, right? Where like the game is always on. It's not like baseball or American football where you'll have, you know, 10 seconds of action and then 90 seconds of complete inactivity. Um, It's the individual competition side of it. You know, those individual pressure moments like tennis, like golf, you know, it's just you out there, you know, especially golf. You're not playing your opponent. You're playing the course. You're playing yourself. Like your opponent is not going to do anything to make it more difficult for you aside from apply some pressure um it's the accessibility of it you know you, you don't need a lot of money you don't need a you know to be in fantastic physical shape to perform and to perform at a very high level uh and it's it's the the fan experience the um you know i used to go to like baseball games all the time in high school i'd go to, to see the baltimore orioles uh on the weekends and you know, for us, it was it was more a party than it was like going to see the O's, and seeing that that fan experience, you know, at the Worlds, at the World Cup, um, in the Premier League stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still like even now, just like thinking about Hendo's walk on in Aberdeen, like gets me choked up genuinely. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's like a celebration. It's like a celebration of life and sport. Um, and, uh, God, like, how could you want anything like more beautiful than that? It's, it's, it's just mind blowing. Oh, that passion is wonderful to hear. And I think just to go back a bit, you were talking about the accessibility. And I think that's one of the biggest Mm. issues on the amateur side is, Finding information is often incredibly difficult. Sharing that information is often incredibly difficult. And often the national federations or whoever it may be don't do a very good job of promoting what they are doing. There are some that are quite switched on. Um, So New Zealand, they have a very, very active Facebook page, which, you know, has all the information that you would want. Um, Darts Australia have really stepped up of late. They've got like a professional media company on board and stuff like that. But there are a lot of countries that will run events and it's just like me trying to find updates of those things or find, you know, details or posters or that kind of thing, as you say, is incredibly challenging. Um, so simplifying that and making everything much more accessible for your average person to me is also something that's incredibly important. It's a problem of you don't know what you don't know. Um, and, and you know, listen, like, I I don't want to make this, like, the Barry Hearn love hour, but, like, you know, if it is what it is, it's fine. Um, whenever you hear him talk about the amateur game, it's, it's massive respect for the love and the passion that the folks put into it because without the people running these things there would absolutely be nothing and there's no doubt that there is just massive amounts of time and energy put into running these um the issue is that i don't you know listen these aren't technologists right and and you know technology is the future of the world it has to be the future of the darts or there is no future for the darts um you can't you can't you know if you're in the uk if like like an 18 year old at the bar you know here a 21 year old at the bar looking at some organized dart stuff and you know if they're asking how do you play this like explaining to them the system of okay we'll play this game and then this game and then these points are worth this and then well but also if you score these scores like 95 or above then you get these extra points and at the end of the day you write down your scores on a piece of paper and you take a photo of that and you email it to some person who puts it into a spreadsheet like they will you know they will look at you like you are the biggest asshole in the world because you are um so you know beyond that there's like even even like what I said about before about machine readability, like Google can't read an image on a Facebook page. Like like there, there's no way for you to Google this you know five thousand pound event that's happening you know three miles away from you because literally nobody has put that text on a page that's publicly accessible on the internet. Um, and so you know. I, <sighs> It, it like I think between not understanding just kind of fundamentally the way the internet works and how critical it is for something as simple as answering the question where can I play in X town um, also having never seen really what's the potential for technology to solve these problems it's like the classic henry ford story um you know when henry ford is building out the car if he had gone out and tried to do some market research and asked everybody you know what they needed in transportation improvements they would have said a faster horse a bigger horse a stronger horse they wouldn't have said not a horse so you know that's that's where i think the the big disconnect is um, with the darts and, um, you know, as much, as many products and as much software as has come out, you know, in the last four to five to 10 years, whatever it's been, uh, I think that it's a reflection of folks more asking about a faster horse than building a car and saying, Hey, is this of interest to you? And so that's, you know, that's kind of what I've tried to do is like build the car. Um, 
yeah. So I kind of forget the original question there. I'm sorry. I, I, I warned you ahead of time there was going to be tangents here. This was going to be all over the place, like McConaughey in that N-dimensional uh, bookcase. No, 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 I was with you. It was more just a case of, you know, I, I have the same concerns, passions, and hopes in the same as you do. Um, so you have, as I've kind of alluded to already, you have a number of sort of side hustles going on. So could you kind of offer a rundown of each of those and then we can kind of dive into a couple of them in a bit more detail yeah each more confusing than the last probably uh and and to my own fault um let's go chronological let's go chronological so uh the first thing i discovered is like you know how do we figure out where to play so I built dartsinaustin.com, which is just like a, you know, manually crowdsourced map or just a manual sourced, I guess, not crowdsourced uh, map of all the bars uh, that had dartboards, steel tip darts in, in Austin, um, ideally to be used as a template for any other city in the future. Um, after that, I think it was probably Darts Atlas. And so that was a reflection or kind of a response to, you know, my own experience, my own frustrations with um you know other digital scoreboards other kind of league management things um that i felt were just a bit too kind of cumbersome burdensome not sufficiently automated to truly take off the the burden from league administrators um and tournament tournament admins on a on a day-to-day basis uh that then kind of provoked the thinking around well well the darts atlas was like a manifestation of where i think the darts should go kind of philosophically which is specifically less confusing less options fewer options um just basically singles 501 and everything else is very ancillary or just like non-existent on the platform. You know, it's, it's again, you know, reflection of like what excites me about the game. It's singles 501. I think that's the future of the sport. I don't think it's these other variants. I don't think it's team format, though. I think there is a place for team format. Um, it's not doubles. It's not triples. It's not 801. It's not 301 Dido. It is singles 501, single in, double out. So, I had to, but, but and that's just in stark uh, contrast to the reality of the organized system today. I, I don't think, like, <laughs> I'm sure everyone who's listening to this right now is like, yeah, well, dude, like, we don't play that. Like, that's not how we do it. Um, I know. I, I know, and that's the problem. Um, so these other concepts that you're alluding to, city league darts, college league darts, junior league darts, um, these are attempts of mine at basically faking some some new system to try to get folks on board with a much simpler experience that that does two things so first of all for the administrators takes all the overhead out so if we can just say we're only doing a couple of things then it's very easy to write software that can automate those couple of things once you get into the infinite matrix of possibilities and conditions for every potential decision point, uh, then you start getting into outrageously complex software. Uh, so on the admin side, uh, you know, it's critical to, to kind of simplify that. Um, on the player side, what I felt was happening and what I think has been kind of reaffirmed through conversations I've had with folks, not just around Texas in the United States, but also folks in the UK, um, is that the player experience, uh, even on those league nights, even with the existing structures in place, still leaves a lot to be desired, particularly around um, time efficiency, time management of these things. I hear about these, these league nights going for hours and hours and hours. Maybe you'll get a small handful of legs in, but the vast majority of the time is spent kind of waiting around for other stuff. Um, and you know, you might, you might be sinking six hours into an evening where you'll play for one, right? And six hours includes transportation time and everything, but that's, that's also part of, of the system, I think. Um, and so, so you know, City League is is kind of the um, 
the nexus of, of all of this. And the theory there is that, you know, if someone's showing up for some organized art stuff, there should, you know, first of all, there should be like a three hour max uh, for, for a league night on, you know, when, when they're playing and, you know, whatever sort of time commitment they're making there. Um, and there should also be uh, for tournament side, there shouldn't be this notion of like um, sitting around forever and, you know, wondering when tournament's going to start and, you know, delayed times and stuff like that. So um, the, the one and done tournaments uh, is this kind of separate part. So city league is basically uh, consists of two formats, uh, premier league, which is, you know, single uh, singles round Robin format, just like the Premier League can do, you know, multiple divisions within a within a city, and then City Tour, which is single, you know, single knockouts, um, where if you show up, you know, at most you'll be waiting for like one match to finish on the board before you you go play your match. If you lose, then you're just chalking the next one and you're free for the day. Or if you win, then you're just continuing to play and and kind of move forward with your time. So um, it, it just you know, everything I'm doing is is trying to test hypotheses. Like, I don't want to run City League. I don't want to run City Tours. Um, but what I do want to do is run experiments that help me and, like, kind of help us as Dart players find the right balance of, like, the social Dart product um, that I think can get more people involved in the game and, like, turn less folks off Um like I'm afraid the current systems do. Okay. So one question immediately for me is if City League and stuff are projects or, or tests for you, what's the ultimate end goal then? What's the ultimate vision for you? Um, the next major sport in North America and the next major sport in the world is what all this is driving to. So, so that's, so kind of stepping back to my, um, career, you know, my whole professional career has been spent in very, very early stage technology startup companies. So typically I'm like among the first five employees at at a company. Um, typically these are venture backed businesses, you know, first it was in San Francisco, like I said, and, and then New York, um, and a few in Austin here. And so that means that the lens through which I look at opportunities is one of scale, and it's one of immense scale. So the so what I see with the darts is that, like, like there are like this is a compelling experience when you look at the social aspect the meeting people the you know you're not doing a lot of like physical stuff there you can do it indoors like rain or shine um this is to me a huge market there's a huge market potential here that's being untapped and it's being untapped because of uh two things lack of accessibility like the googling problem i've mentioned before but also lack of exposure um and and sort of a literacy and a cultural cultural relevance of it um you know one thing i keep on going back to is, is i have all these ideas about you know all these great things we could do with the juniors or with college league or whatever um but the question staring me in the face constantly is who cares and i don't have a good answer for that yet um enter the live streaming stuff right so that's where um you know if 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 folks uh you know some of your listeners have followed the bang average league they'll know like they'll have some some familiarity with like city league darts and they might wonder like what the heck is going on here well this is what's going on there um you know part of what i'm trying to prove out is that you can get folks who don't play darts interested in the darts by making them care about it through their friends. And that's basically what the whole live streaming component has now turned into, um, where 
it's it's like something that the guy mentioned earlier, Mike Gilligan, has has kind of shared with me for a while. He says, you know, he dreams of people showing up to bars in Austin to watch the darts, and that we can create a product that is just like something you can do for three hours while you're sitting there having fun, and maybe you don't even go for it; you stumble upon it, but you see this 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 uh, this show. I mean, it's like dinner and a show, um, and you can you can understand it quickly. It's like you see them counting down. You realize after a couple of legs, they're shooting for the double, um, and you can kind of get into it. Uh, and so that's you know that's the vision I have is is empowering. It's empowering these league managers and these players in every city to to stand up their own system to play these proper proper darts the 501 singles the single and double out um and to use live streaming to get their friends to get their family to care about it um and that's why i'm trying to tripling down trying to triple down on the junior and the college stuff because if you follow esports, or if you're even familiar with the notion of esports and and the scale and the opportunity of of esports, then then maybe you start to understand this streaming component and and the cultural relevance that that can provide. When when you if you understand that um, people who aren't very good at, at playing these video games can get a lot of people watching them play the video games because there's at least some like kind of baseline of um, of excitement or of like relevance or of understanding that someone can quickly find, um, you realize you don't need 95 plus averages day in, day out to make for a very, very exciting show. You don't need to be putting up, you know, e- even, even 70s to get folks compelled, to get folks on the edge of their seats. I mean, in nine visits to the Aki. You can have a lot of excitement because, like I said, it's a live ball sport. You're not sitting there waiting 90 seconds in between every throw. It's like boom, boom, boom. Uh, the action is going every couple of minutes. You have this new bit of tension introduced when folks are shooting at the double. Um, and so <laughs> that further combines with this. I have a background in, in video production and, and TV stuff. Um and this hits this this other nerve of mine, which is the democratization of media, of TV, where you don't need to be a professional broadcaster. You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars of insane moving cameras and, and outrageous tilt or you know zoom functionality and, and folks actually operating the cameras to, to zoom into stuff 50 yards away. Um, you know, the darts can be produced in a super duper high quality, like professional level quality with equipment that folks typically already have at their home. Um, and so it, it's, you know, for me, it really is like, I, I, I think I'm the only person, honestly, in the world, I feel like this sometimes, I'm the only person who like sees his analogies between esports and the darts. Um, but I, like, I, it, it's it's the future and, the, and just the personal branding of it. Oh my gosh, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm less Matt Langan and I'm more laser cat out on the Aki. I mean, this is what the esports folks are doing. This is like, that's the fastest growing, uh, you know, professional game in the world right now. That's the moment I'm trying to seize. That's the moment I'm trying to uh, to be a catalyst for with Darts Atlas. And so, you know, the, 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 it's a symbiotic relationship between Darts Atlas, the software, and City League, the structure, where, like, you know, Darts Atlas empowers all these experiments. It makes it dead simple for me to, you know, run all these different sorts of league structures with, you know, dozens of players um, and I'll spend five minutes a season doing it, and then I'm done. Like that's it. Um, but really, where the where the energy is getting invested is in the recruiting, and in this media production side to to try to kind of make this a bigger thing. But I mean, the vision is that other people do it, right? Like I don't I don't want to be running leagues. I hate running leagues. You know this. Like uh, I've not been uh, private about it. Um, I, I I hate running darts leagues. I just I don't like the arts culture in general. Like. Uh, like I it's kind of for all these reasons um, but I want the people who do 
have that skill, who do have that kind of personal relationship building, who, who are, you know, effective at, at assembling communities of people locally, I want to give them all the power in the world to just do that and to never open a spreadsheet, never receive a, a, a match report, never have to update a stupid website with, with freaking standings again. Like it just like, I'm sitting here rubbing my face as I'm saying, this is like how much it like pains me to like know that people are doing this constantly. So, um, so the, I mean, the vision is dart leagues that run themselves and the admins are just sitting there recruiting and we're getting a bunch of producers in each community uh to to kind of build up this skill on live streaming these things building out the the you know the tech competency and so um yeah i've been working for a while with uh with one such person uh, in the uk named julian haynes who is a uh one of the regional directors uh for for mad and is also working on um a kind of independent online fully digital run league uh, called pgo and uh, i was actually introduced to him by matt kiernan uh, who i'm sure is a, a friend of yours and and you know friend of the the bang average league and uh and and so what i found in julian is is i think the first person who fully shares this um this vision of streaming as the carrot like streaming like live streaming as the way to get folks extra excited about it to bring relevance of the game to a mass audience and and really his vision is uh is is kind of what i described is like you don't need 80s 90s averages to make for a very compelling tv experience um you know there are sponsors out there there are players out there there's audiences out there who will completely eat up you know kind of 70s even 60s um you know average level players um and and you know julian's vision is to kind of provide that that same democratization that i've been describing uh he's assembled a cast of like seven you know producers and broadcasters he's putting together this league uh called pgo live league and it's all under the predicate or under the premise of automated online and live stream for promotion um and it's just i mean that's that that's the vision well i mean that was a very clear mission statement but i think i think to me streaming might not be the carrot but i think it's fundamentally important especially if the amateur side of the game which is obviously what i'm most passionate about is to properly grow and cement itself so if you're running an event whatever event that might be whether it's you know the west coast classic in australia or the canadian open whatever it is at a bare minimum when you are putting that tournament together you need to be thinking about the venue the prize money and streaming now whether you're doing that streaming yourself or you're getting somebody else to do it at a bare minimum the final should be streamed because then that gives people something to share and as you say that's a way to engage people that's a way to engage sponsors and it's a way to generally make more money yourselves but also generate more revenue for the tournaments and your players so to me it's hugely important as well and it's often disappointing when you see you know as it used to be the bdo system so many events you'd say oh you know so and so's into the final of whatever open it is people say oh is there a stream and it's just like nah nothing and it's like exactly you're lucky to get a scoreboard i've managed to find results through some facebook group or you know, there's a spreadsheet being updated here. And it's like, you can only go so far with that system. And I do think streaming is the next frontier. And it's not a case that you need a... uh, Sorry. It's not the case that you need a broadcast deal with some kind of TV channel or whatever. YouTube or Twitch or whatever is right there. And it's like completely democratized as you said and you can just go in and start showing that stuff and ultimately yeah great standard is good but any standard as long as it's competitive is what gets people interested um so it's great to hear you talk about it and obviously you know myself and alex moss at the weekly darts class we've been working with you on the bang average league and the streaming is a huge part of that for us because you know we have the league we have a winner streaming is the next 
not the next, but it's it's another core element of the thing. So, um, yes, the streaming is is hugely important, and it's great to hear someone talking about it in the same way. Something you know, you want darts to be the next big sport in North America. Is that why the junior league stuff features prominently for you? Because in America, it's an incredibly crowded marketplace for getting people to play darts. So you need to try and get them in young and expose them to it at a younger age so they're more likely to pick it up as they get older. Yeah, so the junior part is what I think the whole sport relies on, is going to rely on to get to the next level of scale, to get to the next level of adoption, really in any country. And this, so the work I'm doing with Junior League, you know, first of all, you have to give tons of credit. This is completely inspired by the work I've seen Steve Brown and the Junior Darts Corporation do. Uh, the approach that they have on the skill building, the camaraderie, providing uh, facilities, you know, family-friendly, youth-friendly venues for people to participate in, for um you know, just that whole structure, that whole system, and what we're seeing with the results of that uh, is is really kind of just just been the the source of inspiration for what I'm doing with Junior League, just putting our kind of uniquely American spin on it. Um, and so, where I've been focusing with that is uh, on kind of two things: um, facilities, so you know, where can people play, and and then technology, kind of how do we facilitate that system that that playing and so uh, just when you think about any sort of sport at large um, I, I think that anyone in their right mind would agree that you cannot think of yourself as a legitimate major sport when the only playing facility is a bar uh, a, a venue that is exists to serve alcohol to patrons uh, that's that's not a scalable sport. That's not a sport that gets people in at the grassroots level. That's not a sport that is welcoming to everyone. That's that's just a bar game, which is which is the stigma that you know, Steve and I are are trying to, um, to trying to work against, really, um, and trying to get over. And so the approach I've taken with Junior League uh, here in the States is to partner with school systems directly, as well as partner with parks and recreation facilities within local government. So I look at those as the hook to kind of answer the, the question of where can kids play? These schools are available. These parks facilities are available. Even if they're not configured for darts yet, all you need is one or two people in a school saying, hey, we would like to start a darts club and that will be created. We can get the resources to get that in place to provide a family-friendly, kid-friendly environment, uh, provide supervision, whether it's from uh, teachers and after-school clubs or whether it's from parks and rec department staff or volunteers um, to, to provide this safe, welcoming, accommodating space for kids to play darts, for anyone to play darts outside of a bar and that's that's the the kind of one of the biggest problems that that we're facing beyond just the the cultural liter literacy that i've uh, touched on uh, but but really you know even if a bunch of kids here in austin want to play we still have a problem of where they can play so um and then of course the facilitation side so and again this goes back to darts atlas and uh, you know how how critical technology will be especially for the next generation of players right these these kids have very high expectations about how technology works what it works on what it will do for them how easy it is to use um, and that's not just on the the player side but also on the administration side um, as well as the kind of integrations you know something as simple as uh, how does it look when you share a match preview or, or your match summary onto Twitter or onto Snapchat. You know, what's the preview that expands there? All these things, all these little nuances go into kind of setting the expectation or, um, you know, telling this, telling these kids whether or not this is a quality product, whether or not this is a quality technology. And, and you know, when their first intro to everything is through technology, is through their mobile phone, through a computer, um, 
there there will always be this exceedingly high expectation of how this stuff should work, which um, you know, no one yet has has really come close to to matching in, in the industry as far as uh, providing technology. So so here's what I'm really excited about announcing um, in the context of Junior League here. So I have just bought two tickets, a weekend pass for two, to the 2022 U.S. Darts Masters and PDC World Series of Darts to be held at Madison Square Garden in New York, June 3rd and 4th, I think, 2022. These tickets, as well as airfare, as well as three nights of hotel accommodations, as well as a little per diem for food and you know whatever while you're there, this is on offer, an all-expenses-paid trip to the 2022 U.S. Darts Masters and PDC World Series of Darts for a junior league player and a chaperone, so family member, friend, whatever. Um, and the only catch is that you need to be playing in an official school darts club. So your school probably doesn't have one now. So talk to your administrator, talk to your favorite teacher, get a couple of friends together, say, hey, we want to start a darts club get that club formally acknowledged by the school. And if we can do that 50 times at 50 high schools, so high school students only here, just for the starting point, if we can get dart clubs set up at 50 high schools in the United States, then this prize package for two, all expenses paid to the U.S. Arts Masters will be available. Uh, and that will be uh, decided, I don't know if it will be a draw. I think I think it'll be like a draw kind of giveaway thing. Um, maybe it'll be a competition, but I, I think I much more prefer the draw uh, for players who have participated throughout the season. That will be uh, determined, selected, in uh, late February or early March of next year. So the timeline is this. Right now, we've still got a little bit left in the school year. It's not too late to get some clubs set up now or to start planting some seeds. Starting in the fall term, clubs will start to get set up. And as long as we have 50 of them up and running, playing with some degree of regularity, then this prize package will be on offer. Tickets, are already, tickets uh, for the event are already bought. Um, airfare, obviously, I need to wait um, you know, until we know exactly who I'm sending and where we're sending them from. But all this is available for players to stand up the Junior League Dart system in their school. Um, so the way to do that, way to learn more about how to get that going, what that consists of, is to go to juniorleaguedarts.com. And everything you need to know, at least everything that I am able to share right now, will be available there. How to get set up, how to position this to your teacher, to your principal, whatever. Um, and if you're in Austin, Texas, you can actually get in touch with me directly because I already have a formal partnership in place with the Austin Independent School District. So they already know what I'm doing. Uh, we're already working together to provide facilities, to uh, get administrators of some local high schools on board uh, with this system. And all we're waiting for is for students to come in and say, hey, I would like to participate in this doesn't matter if you're into darts you're probably not right the people listening to this are probably um you know family members of high school students uh maybe a couple of friends of high school students i don't know how the uh, audience demographic here for the inside the wdf podcast skews but if you know a u.s high schooler or any u.s high school that you think would benefit from a darts club at their school this is the path and at the end of this is this you know trip to New York for two, which I'm just, I'm hoping gets folks really excited, gets folks motivated to start formalizing uh, the game, to get inter uh, interested in it. Um, you know, again, even if you're not into the darts yet, give it a chance, give it three months, give it four months, very little commitment here on the player side with the potential to get sent to New York. I mean, come on, like how, how great is that? Wow. Thank you for that, Matt. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Incredibly generous from you. I think it's an incredible initiative, as I said. Getting the kids involved at a younger age in the sport can only be helpful and healthy for the sport moving forward. Um, looking ahead, 
Are there any other projects you're working on or things you've got lined up for the near future? <laughs> yeah. So um, what I am uh, very excited about, again, continuing in the theme of, of experimentation and um, kind of trying to drive the game uh, to the future is that um, the, uh, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Julian Haynes, uh, is basically like full in on adopting um, what I'm kind of calling the darts Atlas stack. Um, so it starts Atlas for the uh, scoring and league automation part. And then it's also this other piece of software called Slack, uh, which is a corporate communications tool used by, you know, most, if not all the fortune 500, maybe Microsoft doesn't use it, but um, Slack is basically a, um, replacement for Facebook for the communication and coordination mm -hmm. side. So um, so not only are Julie and I talking about um, Tars Atlas as this admin tool, he's also migrating his league from Facebook onto Slack um, as this much more tailored, much more professional communications tool, place to message players, to um, see news updates, and uh, also received uh, notifications on your phone, uh, which are all things you can do in Facebook, but not with as much control on the admin side. And what we've also done uh, is actually built a Tarts Atlas integration into Slack. Um, so you can do things like, uh, you know, accept an invitation to a season, you can register for a tournament, you can uh, preview your entire season match schedule directly within Slack with data that's integrated within Darts Atlas. So what we're doing is um, kind of offering, you know, folks who want to join this this league, which is a global league. It's got players in Australia and India and the UK and the United States, all over the place. Um, on May 1st or 2nd, we're going to be running an open tournament. So no payments, no membership required or anything. Um, you just uh, go to pgolive.com. You'll see a link to join Slack. Make sure you've signed up for Darts Atlas. Connect your two accounts. You'll get instructions as soon as you sign up for Slack on exactly how to do that. Um, on May 1st or 2nd, either that Saturday or the Sunday, we'll be running a tournament. I'll be offering more prizes. A, a prize pool would be a random giveaway. So don't worry if you're not the best player doesn't matter it's not just going to go to the to the winner there um and this you know it'll be about a, a hundred pound uh, value prize pool i'm thinking something like a combination of you know maybe some matt egger darts and a matt egger shirt or um you know a blade five and some uh jeff smith darts you got to throw my love to, to the silencer um you know, something, something to that effect, right? If there are um, PDC events announced by that time, maybe it's going to be two tickets to some event that could be attended in person, though I'm not holding my breath, as I'm sure neither are you. Um, so folks are welcome to to join that, to basically kick the tires. We, we, we're considering that an open house on, on May 1st or 2nd. Open house for PGO Live. Some of these matches will be streamed. Like I said, you know, Julian has got about six or seven folks on like a live streaming team um, who are focused on doing some of, you know, high quality uh, darts live stream matches, whether it's in person or the matches are remote. Um, and then he's got a league starting uh, the very next week. So if you like what you see, then you can join the PGO Live League again, right on Darts Atlas. Um, and and get involved in the round robin seasons that will start the following week um may 9th or so and the the season will start may 10th um the the i don't know well, we'll call it interesting thing the whatever the thing about this is that um julian is is the is running these kind of first tests outside of what I've done with my own leagues with City League, with Quarantine League. Um, it'll be kind of close to to what y'all are doing with the Bang Average League with timing, with um, actually automating all of the registrations and payments under a single platform. So no more are we doing this um, PayPal or Venmo or, you know, give someone a, you know, money at the event and then they have to go reconcile that payment with some other spreadsheet and check you off and then go to some other system and add you to a list or whatever. It's all integrated. You pay with a credit card, debit card, Apple Pay, Google Wallet, 
you know, whatever, what, you know, whichever of those you choose, um, registrations are automatically integrated, automatically approved, um, so that again, on the admin side, there's basically nothing to do. Uh, configure a few buttons, um, you know, send out a link, let people register, and then once everyone's registered, you click a button to generate the bracket, and you're off to the races. So, uh, single round robin tournament, open house, Darth Atlas, PGO Live, Slack. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. That might even be enough to uh, tempt this old war horse back on the hockey. You never know. I would love it. Oh my gosh. I, I would be <laughs> outrageously excited. I have to make a point to stream that. No, I wanted to, sort of, as we wrap up, I wanted to say a big thank you to you, obviously, for your. Your involvement with the Bang Average League, basically, you know, you've been a great asset to the team. And, uh, yeah, you, I can, can't speak highly enough of Dance Atlas and stuff. It makes everything so much easier for us. Um, and basically means, you know, there isn't the admin work that there used to be and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's small scale, but you can see the effect incredibly clearly. So thank you very much. Well, that's that's great to hear. I really appreciate that. And, you know, the, the scale... You know, it, it's 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 easier for folks, I think, to adopt this and try it out at the smaller scale when you have fewer constraints, fewer voices in the room. Um, and, you know, I, I think this is really like a call to arms almost for, for anyone else. Um, you know, even if you're part of a bigger system and you're maybe a little bit frustrated with some of the antiquated ways of doing things, uh, you know, for, for the rest of this year, Jars Atlas is free for everything. So every tournament you run, every season you run, your leagues, whatever, uh, there's just, there's no fee at all. You can just, you know, run it all to your heart's content, run Premier Leagues, run a Q Tour uh, style season even, you know, it's a tournament series with an order of merit, um, you know, all for free through the end of the year. Um, and, you know, there's obviously the, the you know, aspirations for, for Jars Atlas are at that kind of global scale but we're proving it out with with this you know with the local game and uh, you know i've been um talking with with steve brown from mad and, and from the jdc a, a decent bit and um you know even at a scale of of an organization you know like mad i mean he's you know seeing some potential and so he's um you know he has a big interest in in Darth atlas's ability to cater to that next generation of, of casual and serious start players. And so I think, you know, kind of to those players to, you know, speaking to that next generation, speaking to the folks who aren't quite as embedded into a legacy system, you know, I, I think there's a, you know, kind of, like I said, call to arms uh, to, to try it out and, and see if you find that it's just as easy as I say it is, um, you know, and that was, that was kind of my, my pitch to y'all it was like hey i you know i built a thing uh, i have a theory that it's going to be easier than anything else you've seen and you let me know if, if that's right or wrong right and i'll kind of adjust stuff accordingly um and so it's just it's incredible to hear that um it's just it, it's it's easy right i mean i want i want you and alex to forget you we, you're even running a league right which i think is pretty easy to do like it just it's just sort of happening 100 percent. and if you know as you say you've built this thing or many things if people want to know more or they want to get in contact and stuff what are the channels that people can follow you on yeah certainly so um easiest thing is probably on twitter just at matt langan m-a-t-t L-A-N-G-A-N, darsatlas.com, um, of course, for the, uh, you know, for the website, cityleaguedarts.com for all that stuff, pgolive.com for, uh, for the PGO Live League that will be uh, kicking off in a few weeks here. Um, and yeah, there's so many more Twitter handles. There's so many websites. It, it's, it's insane, Andrew. I've, I like every, every morning I wake up, I feel like I've, I've registered three more domains while I've been sleeping. So, um, you know, we'll just, we'll leave it at those few for now. Fantastic. Um, I can, I can say it's totally been a pleasure speaking to you this evening, Matt, and, uh, hope you feel the same. And hopefully when we've got even more irons in the fire, we'll get you back on again and we can talk, talk some more darts. I hope to reach out in another few weeks with uh, with some more stuff to go through, but 
you know, as it is, there's just so much every single day. And it just, it's been an immense pleasure to get on here. Like I said, long time listener, first time caller. Um, it is, it has just been, uh, I'm just, I'm buzzing right from, from beginning to end here. I just, I appreciate everything you do for the game, all the interviews, just, I, I rely on the sort of context that you and your guests provide to help me understand a lot more about the the bigger picture, the broader context of the game, not just what I can see in front of me, but um, you know, to understand the history, what's been going on for decades, uh, but also what's going on behind the scenes today, um, and and just you know, the Inside the WDF podcast has been an invaluable resource for that. Yeah, very kind words, Matt. Thank you very much for your time. All right, let's do one more thing because I got to. Uh, I meant to open this, and it's it's literally at the top of both of my paper sheets here. But of course, I got all flustered like an <laughs> asshole. Um, I I can't stress enough um, what you and Alan Suter have meant for my online league. And for, uh, you know, one of our players in particular, a guy named Duncan Elston, who is a a volunteer firefighter who suffered some pretty, pretty, pretty bad injuries, like really, really bad injuries a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, I reached out to you just to to try to get like a little, you know, message of support from Suits, um, you know, being a being a fellow, I forget what y'all call each other, but fellow fellow man of fire. Um, and, and just, just the response, the willingness, the eagerness to help, um, you know, Alan delivered a a video message, which some of y'all might've seen on Twitter, um, that just, just meant the world. And it's just such an embodiment of the sport. And that's something I haven't talked about. You know, this interview is the, the community and just the, uh, just how in it for each other you know everyone really seems to be i mean it's just outrageous um just just the the personal nature of it the accessibility of these players on twitter their willingness to to support each other to support the fans you know whether it suits whether it's martin leak doing a bunch of his fundraiser things you know and keegs and and you know does uh, always throw in their support at these things you know it's just that's what we need in the game. No, I, I totally get that, mate. And you know, I was I was very happy to do it. You reached out, and I was like, well, you know, I can. The only thing I can do is ask. And then he's got two choices. He either, well, I mean, suppose he's got three. He either says yes, he says no, or he ignores me. And he replied, you know, in the affirmative, and he was totally happy to do it. So I was very happy we could do it. And I mean, I was happy for you guys to use it in whatever way you wanted to, whether you wanted to do it as a you know a private surprise in in the group chat or personally or you want to share it on twitter i really didn't you know it it wasn't about traction for me or or whatever you know it it was about doing a nice thing for someone who'd been through an incredibly tough experience trying to help other people um and to be able to do something that was was nice you know and we've obviously been through a very challenging year and a bit and I, i think the next few months is going to be challenging still but to be able to kind of tap into the community and do something nice like that, you know, it was a pleasure for me and it's a pleasure to know it's been so well received by, you know, Duncan, yourself and all the others. Yep, yep. more more Suits fans uh, born that day, I can tell you for sure. I mean, I was already there, obviously, but um, lots lots of love for the Suits now in, in the photo.